Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio version of my show, Rebel Roundup, where we cover the hottest Rebel stories of the week. Today, my guests are Kian Bexty and Ezra Levent. If you like the podcast, then you should become a premium content subscriber that gets you access to the video version of my show, as well as shows from Ezra Levent and Sheila Gunn-Reed. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, and as a special bonus for you, we're offering a 10% discount if you use the coupon code PODCAST. Just go to therebel.media slash shows to become a member. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the show. You're listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Pint-sized climate crusader Greta Thunberg recently dropped anchor in New York. But what's the real story behind this supposedly feel-good story? Kian Bexty was in the Big Apple to greet Greta and her handlers, and he'll give us his take. Well, if you blinked, you missed them. I speak of those billboard ads criticizing mass migration, yet the question arises, why did the billboard company, Patterson, capitulate to media party pressure by way of removing those billboards? Ezra Levent will share his thoughts. And finally, letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day, and I'll share some of your responses regarding how the infamous Jonathan Yaniv is not only a fake woman and a fake victim, but he's also a fake disabled person too. All the better to score subsidized transit rides that are truly meant for legitimate disabled people. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Greta, 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 how was the ride over? How was the ride over? Greta, Greta. Well, I didn't get to ask Greta the questions that I wanted to. She was a little bit stunned, which is understandable. She's a 16-year-old that is being used by the United Nations to draw attention to their issues. Uh, she was, had no idea what was going on, and she's standing on the stage right now. I just spoke with an official from the United Nations here in the delegation to greet Greta, and I asked him very point blank if the message that Greta and the United Nations are touting here includes the vision that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle share, that it is unethical in this day and age to have children. I think that the answer for most sane people is no, it's a natural part of humanity, and if you stop doing that, well, you stop being human. His answer, well, it was a bit concerning because he would not deny it. Hi, I see you're with the UN there. Yes. Would I be able to ask you just a quick question? It's Greta uh, Turnberg is here. Yes. Um, what, what, why is this important to Americans? I think it's important to everyone. I don't think it's just important to Americans. It's important to the world. I mean, the message that, Gre that Greta's sending is one that we all should be uh, listening to very carefully. I mean, the climate change issue is, is a crisis, and we have to, to stay with it uh, no matter what we do. And it's amazing to have a, a young person like Greta delivering the message. We all should listen. Would you agree with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle that it's unethical to have children in this day and age when the climate crisis is so pressing? 
I, th I think we need to focus on Greta's message today. I mean, Greta's here delivering this message. She just arrived after a long trip. Um, I think that uh, that's where, where I'm keeping my focus today, and that's what I'm listening to. And uh, she's doing an amazing, amazing job. I see the pin, it's the 17 uh, goals, I believe it is. And many of those are ending world hunger, you know, getting off of CO2. Uh, does that include not having children? Uh, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, which are an amazing accomplishment of the member states of the, uh, of the United Nations in 2015, uh, provide a great roadmap uh, for the future, and we need to be considering not just the climate change goal, but also the 17 goals to make sure that uh, we can uh, uh, make progress by 2030 and, and achieve those goals. So does that, that's not including not having children? So Greta Thunberg, the pint-sized climate crusader, wanted to take her climate change message to the masses in New York City, but she didn't want to increase her own carbon footprint in the process. The solution? Well, simply sail across the Atlantic in a high-tech, whiz-bang, carbon-neutral, multi-million dollar sailboat. At first blush, it sounds like a pretty feel-good story to be sure, but what's the real story behind this environmental stunt? Well, our roving reporter, Kian Bexty, was in New York City to greet Greta and her handlers firsthand. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Kian. Thanks for having me, David. Always a pleasure, my friend. So, Kian, what indeed is the real story behind this super hyped up media extravaganza? Well, it's a, it's a weird mix of folks handling Greta. I, I witnessed firsthand her uh her personality as she got off the boat, I was in a very, uh, very prime location right on the corner of the stairs that she had to walk up. Uh, and of course I asked her a few questions or at least posed them to her, but she was very stunned. Uh, you could tell she had sea legs on her cause, uh, which I guess is understandable after 14 days at sea, uh, she could barely walk, but she certainly couldn't speak, which is uh, a result of, of her Asperger condition. There was easily a hundred reporters with cameras, uh, many of them from out of country, almost 50% uh, of them, I'd say, were speaking some sort of Dutch language, uh, either German or Dutch. Uh, some were from Chile, as I, I, I'm not sure uh, if I heard this right, but it sounds like Greta might be making her way down there, which is why uh, Chile, Chilean reporters were there. All of these people, of course, were flying on planes, me uh, being one of them. So this this idea of her trip being carbon neutral certainly isn't true. Um yeah, I guess I, I could continue well, on, but that's the crux of it. Well, you know, it, it, it's not true, as you mentioned, for those reasons, uh, Kian. Um, also, the reason why I call it an environmental stunt, she's trying not to come under the criticism of, oh, yeah, you climate crusaders, you uh, talk the talk but don't walk the walk in terms of carbon neutrality. But this, this is no regular sailboat. This is some multi-million dollar thing that for... Most people, the vast majority of people on the planet, it would be uh, unrealistic to have one of these ships. And also, um, it takes 15 days to do a transatlantic crossing. So that's why this is a bit of a red herring. But you mentioned other countries, other leaders that want um, a piece of uh, this action. I can only imagine, Kian, that Justin Trudeau and Climate Barbie must be champing at the bit to have a photo op with this little girl. Oh, I imagine so. I was kind of expecting that uh, AOC or some other congressman <laughs> would be there. They weren't, as far as I understood. The only uh, officials there, political officials, were uh, some ambassadors to welcome the, the prince. Because, of course, this was the prince's boat, uh, Prince of Monaco, the ambassador to Canada and the United States um, 
from Monaco was there to greet the boat. I actually got an interview with her. Uh, I asked her pretty pointedly whether or not it was ethical to have children in this day and age when the climate crisis TM is so pressing. Um, her answer was that, oh, well, that's too controversial. Uh, as an ambassador, she couldn't answer that. But I also asked that same question to UN officials. I asked uh, um, an individual uh, from the UN, I am waiting to identify him because he didn't leave too happy, so I wasn't able to ask his name. Um, but I asked him pretty point blank after a brief, uh, why are you here, why is Greta here question, I asked him multiple times, is it ethical to have children in this day and age? And after asking him the second time, he stormed off. Uh, I, can, I can understand why they're uh, not able to answer that question. It's a chic thing to say right now. Of course, Prince Harry is saying it. Uh, AOC is saying it as well, that you can't have children in this day and age because uh, the climate is falling down. Uh, the, the sky is falling, of course. But when you ask uh, people who have a bit more level heads, officials from the United Nations, they know that if they say something like that, they'll be skewered. Um, so th they they are not able to answer that question the same way that AOC would. Um, but yeah, I digress. But you know, Kian, uh, to me, this whole caper, this whole Greta Thunberg story boils down to a question of ethics. And by that I mean, you know, uh, we're in a very uh, tough position, anyone who's critical of her, I mean, because you don't want to be seen going after in a hard way uh, against a 16-year-old little girl. But what's really at play here is I think she's a mascot. I think she's a puppet. It's these handlers, it's these organizers behind the scenes, the puppet masters, I think they owe some explanations because clearly, to me at least, Kian, they are using her. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And back to what I was saying earlier in regards to the people around her, um, she wasn't able to speak uh, to journalists in any sort of comprehensive way. And the, the handlers were, were everywhere. And it's not just from the United Nations. Uh, Greenpeace appointed themselves the self-appointed themselves, as far as I understand it, the thugs to watch uh, over Greta. There were perhaps a dozen Greenpeace, uh, Greenpeacers who set up barricades uh, and acted like, uh, I don't know if I can say this, they acted like King Shit of Turd Island, really. They were <laughs> yelling at reporters, they were uh, pushing people out of the space that they uh, defined on their own was Greta's space and they were going to be there to defend Greta. It, it, it is amazing that uh, Greenpeace people, not, not uh, service workers with the city of New York, uh, would be erecting barricades and directing people how they could use public property, but that Greenpeace feels emboldened and entitled to do that. And um, you know, I, I, again, it, it, it just, I think, speaks to the hypocrisy of the environmental movement that these virtue signalers can, you know, espouse this, uh, don't do as I do, but do as I say. But thank you at least for uh, getting down to the dock and uh, welcoming this uh, pint-sized uh, climate crusader. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here. She's called out President Trump. Will he respond to her comments? Uh, I doubt it, but we will look forward to that in the hours and days ahead. In the meantime, keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Of course, they kept Maxime Bernier out of the debates. Um, they didn't want someone talking about these things, but now they have to keep them off the billboards, too. And by they, you know who I mean.
I mean, the establishment, the elites, the kind of people who don't really live in neighborhoods where every other woman is wearing a burqa. They don't send their kids to schools where Canadian-born kids are the tiny minority. They believe in mass immigration for the same reason that big business and the banks do, drive down the wages, drive up real estate prices, and to keep voting liberal. So these billboards have to be stopped. And so the media party knew exactly what to do. They, they do what they always do. They don't debate. I mean, that hasn't been fashionable in years. You'd think the media, seeing a controversy, would help talk it out, help lead or host our national discussion on immigration. No, 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 no. What are you, in the 80s? The media's job is to de-platform, not to platform. Today's journalists believe very deeply in freedom of speech, but only for themselves. Certainly not for anyone outside of their guild. It's obviously worse now that they're all on Trudeau's bailout payroll. So the media went on a campaign. Here's the Calgary Herald, and here's the Globe and Mail, and here's the Toronto Star. They all went on a campaign all weekend of huffing, here's the sun, huffing and puffing about how outrageous this was. Here's CTV. Oh, it's racist, by the way. Very, very racist. Yeah, no. Um, if this had said no black immigration or no Chinese immigration, it would be racist. Maybe even saying no Muslim immigration, even though Islam is not a race. I could see how you could call that racist. But this just said no mass immigration. It goes to numbers. How is quarreling over numbers? How is that racist? Well, if you blinked, you missed it. I speak of those billboards that popped up last week that were critical of mass migration. But a media-fueled controversy over these billboards led to the billboard company, Patterson, acquiescing to the mob. And just like that, those billboards were torn down and a groveling apology was issued by the company. And so it was that those who wage war against freedom of speech in this country have chalked up yet another victory. And with more on this story is our very own Rebel Commander, Ezra Levent. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Ezra. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm sorry I can't be there in person. I'm, I'm on the road, but I'm happy to join via Skype. Well, I'm so happy you made some time for me, Ezra, and uh, our audience. And Ezra, I think the most disturbing thing about this latest example of censoring politically incorrect ideas is simply this. Patterson, the billboard company, as you noted in your uh, monologue, it's not a publisher. It's merely a platform. So why is this company wading into the censorship business in the first place? Yeah, they vetted these ads. These ads are very simple say no to mass migration it couldn't be simpler it's a point of view um everything on a billboard is a point of view by tide detergent it's the best that's a point of view uh, that's not the actual view of patterson it's like you mentioned it's just a platform that anyone can buy it's like blaming a cell phone company for a conversation on that phone doesn't make sense patterson approved the billboard and their first reaction when asked to censor it was to stand by it it was only after the social media mob mipped up, whipped up by the media party, especially the CBC, that Patterson broke down, ripped up their contract, and took down the billboards. There was no reason to do so. There was no legal reason to do so. There was no uh, contractual reason. There was no reason other than pure politics. Frankly, it was a disgraceful moment for Patterson. Um, I don't know Jim Patterson, the founder of the company, well, but I know him by reputation. I think he would be ashamed of what his underlings did. Hmm. But more to the point, I'm embarrassed that in Canada, this was countenanced and in fact led 
by the establishment. So now we have a rule. If there's some campaign group lawfully registered that has a campaign ad legally approved, some mob led by journalists can simply ban it. And if they can ban a third party group, why not ban a party itself? Why not ban an ad from an actual candidate? Why not ban anyone? That's a terrible, terrible direction. It's very un-Canadian, but you wouldn't know it from the absolute silence of everyone in the establishment. And the thing too, Ezra, is that there are numerous uh, third party influencers in any election. And yet it's just when there is someone giving a right of center viewpoint that the media party goes into this frenzy and starts demanding um, not a debate on the ideas, on the intellectual um, wherewithal of the proposal going forward, but simply that, no, you cannot say that and you must be shut down and they're acquiesced to. I mean, I, I thought journalists, Ezra, were all about free speech and debate and whatnot. No, you're about five years out of date on that, maybe 10 years <laughs> out of date on that. In fact, now the journalists are all about deplatforming people who fall outside the official narrative. They're about hounding people's employers and saying, do you know what so-and-so said on Twitter? Uh, and there's one more conflict of interest to the many I've just listed, and that is that the journalists themselves have their own third-party campaign groups. Unifor, yep. one of the unions representing journalists, the Canadian Media Guild. So the reporters you see on TV and you read in the newspapers take from their own pockets union dues, and they pay those towards an anti-conservative campaign. So they themselves are a third-party group that's anti-conservative. So why would they say a hard word about any anti-conservatives? Why would they say a gentle word about any conservatives? You just can't trust the media party. And Ezra, what strikes me about this story too, and you alluded to it in your monologue, is the fact that what these billboards were saying aren't that outrageous. That if you look at the statistics when Canadians are polled on this issue, the majority are indeed against this kind of mass migration. So, I mean, it, it's almost as though the, uh, the tail is wagging the dog here when it comes to this um, media outrage and left of center people uh, demanding that this debate be shut down when most normal Canadians are sympathetical with this idea. Well, that happens in so many key issues, whether it's Omar Khadr yeah. or uh, the theory of man-made global warming and the carbon tax. Um, or in, in this case, uh, mass immigration, the establishment, the elites are all on one side and the people are all on the other. And so it's severely normal to believe that immigration numbers are too high. In fact, only four to six percent of Canadians want immigration increased. But that is the view of all the major parties. In fact, one of the great disappointments between me and Andrew Scheer, the reason he stopped talking to me is in our last conversation, I interviewed him on The Rebel. I asked him about the numbers of immigrants and values tests for the kind of immigrants. He refused to answer either of those. He gave me the identical answer Trudeau would. And, and so the official narrative from all the establishment parties, the Liberals, the Conservatives, the NDP, the Greens, are identical on immigration. And that's, again, the same position of all the major media, especially the CBC, but the Globe and the Star and all the others. And so this third party ad in support of Maxime Bernier was the only counter narrative out there. So, of course, it had to be killed. Of course, it had to be silenced. And of course, Bernier himself had to be kept out of the leadership debates. You simply cannot allow 
someone to contradict the official narrative that, of course, we all agree that mass immigration is great and diversity is our strength or whatever the saying is. If you have a single person saying, yeah, no, I don't believe that, the emperor has no clothes, before you know it, people might start thinking for themselves. So they have to silence this alternative narrative in the debates and even in Billboard. Yeah, I remember that interview you did with Mr. Shear, and I think you might have asked him five or six times, maybe seven, the same question, and you just, it was like nailing jello on the wall. But, you know, Ezra, I, I mean, I, I find this deeply disturbing, uh, being a lover of free speech, as are you. Uh, the, the fact that this, we're seeing this deplatforming, that's the carrot part of the, uh, you know, the, 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 po the politically correct mob uh, trying to silence voices, but also with Justin Trudeau rolling out that $600 million media bailout, that's kind of like the stick part of the equation. So it's almost as though what the Trudeau liberals are, are saying, and they're not getting much resistance, is listen, we can do this the easy way, i.e. you get a paycheck, or we do it the hard way. Where do you see this ultimately going? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always, or no, always had, for a while I've been saying that soon there will be only two kinds of media in Canada. The official government-controlled, government-regulated, government-funded media, and media that is banned. So either official media or banned media, no independent media, because the independent media will either be bought off or proscribed by law. And it wouldn't surprise me if Patterson Outdoor, the billboard company, got a phone call from Gerald Butts or Katie Telford or someone like that and was told, look, this is just a tiny ad contract you have with a third-party election group. That'll be done in two months. But we're the government of Canada. We're the largest advertiser in Canada. And if you know what's good for you, you'll take this ad down right now and say goodbye to 5000 bucks in that ad money, and you'll keep $50 million from our ad money. It would not surprise me one bit. If that happened, because a similar thing happened to us when we tried to put up a pro-oil billboard in Montreal, and Denny Coderre, the liberal there, threatened the billboard company there. So liberals have a habit of threatening billboard companies. They either threaten them not to buy ads on them, or even they say, it would be a shame if you lost your license to have a signage in the city. Better be careful. So the Lebranos do what they have to do. You know, Ezra, it wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, this is downright frustrating and depressing and uh, um, aggravating. I'm afraid we have to wrap it here, but a great monologue as usual, my friend, and uh, stay safe in your travels. Thanks very much. Talk to you later. You got it. And that was our Rebel Commander, Ezra Levent, on the road. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for the Rebel.media here in New Westminster, British Columbia, which is the home base for TransLink. And TransLink is the entity that runs Vancouver's public transit system. So why am I here? Well, none other than Jonathan, a.k.a. Jessica Yaniv, brings me here. We all know that this is a fake woman. We all know that this is a fake victim. But he is also apparently a fake disabled person as well. Uh, viewers of this space have noticed footage in which uh, Jonathan Yaniv is breaking into uh, a trot that resembles tryouts for the 100 meter dash. Meanwhile, when he is using a cane, it's less for mobility issues 
And it's more for, well, <laughs> cracking me over the head and shoulder with it, to be quite frank. So the question is this, why is this person being accommodated by the British Columbian taxpayers? You know, my favorite Yiddish word is chutzpah. It essentially means sheer, unadulterated gull. And if there ever was a poster boy for chutzpah, it is most surely that odious flimflam man, Jonathan slash Jessica Yaniv. He pretends to be a woman. He pretends to be a victim. And par for the course, it turns out that he pretends to be a disabled person too. He clearly does not need a mobility scooter, but I guess if that's what it takes to score subsidized rides about town, then Mr. Yaniv has no problem pretending to be handicapped. Like I said, chutzpah to the power of infinity. In any event, here's what you had to say about the shameless Jonathan Yaniv and his ongoing quest to game the system. Mina Alquist writes, as an actual disabled person fighting to get a mobility pass right now, I'm appalled. I'm bedridden most of the time and in a wheelchair. And this is a person who has a pass and uses a mobility scooter, one I can only dream about and must have my husband to push me along in my wheelchair. Ugh, so angry right now and I'm not even Canadian. Well, Mina, first of all, I'm very sorry to hear about your plight, but this is what makes this particular Yaniv scam all the more appalling. When mobility services are used to accommodate somebody faking to be disabled, a real disabled person is, of course, being denied that service. That is appalling. And now that his chicanery has been made public, he needs to lose these privileges. I leave it up to the transit authorities in British Columbia to do the right thing and ban this con man from their service. But what do you want to bet they are reluctant to do so for fear of being, oh, I don't know, labeled transphobic? Page writes, Yaniv and Trudeau would make a lovely couple. Well, when it comes to fakery, they both have something in common, don't they? Yaniv is a fake woman, a fake victim, and a fake disabled person. And Justin, as we all know by now, is a fake feminist. Quite the dream team, I should think. E. Richpestra writes, This creepy individual needs to be exposed. Unfortunately, it requires giving this creature attention. Well, E, I would say the various scams being carried out by Yaniv have been adroitly exposed by us here at The Rebel and some other media organizations too. I also think he actually does get off on the attention that he garners, even though most of it is very, very negative coverage. But here's the deal. Why is he still being catered to? Why, for example, is the British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal still investigating his ludicrous complaints about discrimination as opposed to tossing the entire Yanni file into the trash can where it surely belongs. That's the real scandal here. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night. <laughs>